I am Tom Holland, and this is Fitness Disrupted 2.0. Yes, new feed, same show, new and improved. I get disappointed, though. I keep running into people, hearing from people that don't realize that the show has gone on, that it's a different feed, that, yes, they're, they're looking at the old feed, fitness disrupted and not sure when it was end of the summer when I did my last show there but we move on and I love this topic today because it goes to a concept I bring up frequently that the industry makes the complex simple and the simple complex in the wrong way (laughs) you could argue there's a right way but you know, it's frustrating. I'm in, I'm in a really frustrated mood, which is rare, because if you've listened to my shows, about as positive as you can get in a very frustrating industry. And right now, I am in that phase that authors go through where you have a proposal out, and if you have an agent, your agent will send you the rejections. So I wake up every morning with rejections. Now, I'm used to that. I've, as I talked about in my fit tip about Jim Gaffigan, you know, I did acting and stand-up comedy and lots in the entertainment world and, you know, auditioning for fitness gigs, you know, DVD programs, things like that. I'm used to it and it's part of the process. But what I won't get used to are the reasons, the, the problem with the publishing industry in and of itself. And it goes to what I'm going to talk about today. And there's so much misinformation. It's really hard to get a book published that is going to put forth the right message, not the quick fix, not the fad diet, not the crazy workout plan. Yes, the excessive moderation plan. Really hard to do. And, you know, I get it. This is my seventh book. And no matter who you are, you're going to get rejections. But it's, it's, it's the frustration with the industry. And the publishing industry is part of it. It's part of the problem. It's a part of the problem. And, you know, I will bring you the best authors like Michael Easter, you know, The Comfort Crisis, like Steve Magness, One of the best books I've read in years. Do hard things. And even he said, (laughs) you know, that he he sold a heck of a lot of books. And he's a phenomenal writer that, you know, he had to deal with those rejections too. But it's the why. That's what I have the issue with. And it it ties into this topic today. One big reason you're you're not losing weight on your diet. And it's not what you think. I'm not going to talk about... Well, to the very end, I'll give you kind of my take on, you know, reasons the diets are problematic. But this is an interesting study, and it's actually an abstract study. It's not even, um, so this is, let me give you the specifics, um, American Heart Association. Um, it's basically an abstract for a, a scientific session that's going to happen, uh, and it's a really insightful Look, small study, 116 people at perception. 
right, at perception. And I will argue that the perception is tied into the misinformation. You know, I love that <laughs> there's, there's so much talk about misinformation for things other than diet, for eating and exercise, which is ridiculous. Let me, let me give you a statistic. More than two-thirds of heart disease-related deaths worldwide can be linked to food choices, according to a study published in the European Heart Journal Quality Care Clinical Outcomes back in 2020. Study authors estimated 6 million deaths could have been avoided through better diets. That's disturbing. That's sad. Where is the outrage? You know, we just got through this pandemic. Wasn't it around 6 million people? I think it was worldwide. You don't hear about any of this. And so many of those deaths were related to what? Two things. Age and excess weight and all the comorbidities that came with that. But that's what this show's about. It's about bringing you the science, bringing you the, the facts, and then you figure out what you can do, what's going to work for you. You know, it's just talking with a former client, amazing story. Actually, the final story in my book, The Micro Workout Plan, was about a former client, like one of my greatest success stories. And I was speaking with his wife, and I worked with him, and the success story was through the roof. But the incredible thing amongst many was that he was not only ridiculously successful and consistent and changed his life, but it trickled down to his wife. And now they're biking around the world. I want to say late 60s? They're in their 60s, I think. Haven't worked, you know, with clients like that in a long time. But incredible. And those are the stories we need to hear more about. And I had to weave those into the book, The Micro Workout Plan. And it's just, it's frustrating. <laughs> I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> All right. But yeah, six million deaths could have been avoided through better diets. That's why at the end of every show, I say we do control three things. How much we move, what we put into our mouths, and our state of mind. I understand, and that's the information I bring to you, that it's challenging but it's challenging, it's exponentially challenging when you get the wrong information. And I truly believe that's tied into this study, okay? And two headlines that came out of this study, I always look at the articles, you know, your study will come out and you get a bunch of articles, some, as I've said in the past, ridiculous headlines, but these are good. One is your healthy diet may not be as healthy as you think, study finds. Second headline is trying to lose weight. You're probably doing this one thing wrong, new study says. Now, let me start by saying the first one, where it says your healthy diet may not be as healthy as you think. Most people don't go on diets for health reasons, being first and foremost. Let's be honest. Some do. Some are, you know, get that, you know, bad 
health report, scare. But even human condition is such that that's usually not enough, at least even long term, to sustain it. Most people go into uh, diets to lose weight. They don't care about how healthy it is. And there's another study that I was going to throw in here, but I'm saving it for another separate podcast about how these diets aren't healthy. Of course they're not. So many of them, the fad diets. I mean, it's about weight loss, you know. And so many of these diets that focus on pure weight loss, it's what is it doing to your insides? And so I like that there's actually like two totally different headlines that I just read to you that came out of this one study. One's about weight, losing weight, and one talks about healthy diet. It's incredible, right, how different writers, authors can glean different things. But let's be honest, again, got to start there. Most people don't go, you know, I've got a lot of weight to lose or, or weight to lose, period. What's the healthiest thing I can do? No. You pick up that book with the quick fix. You pick up the book that your friends have told you about that, you know, where it's this restrictive diet. And yes, they were successful short term because every single fad diet works, people. Short term. Then the question becomes, what is it doing to you? What's it doing to your insides? Is it making you healthier or is it just making you lose weight? And so hear the statistics. They bear repeating. About half of adults in the U.S. try to lose weight each year. About half. And according to a Gallup poll, 55% of the Americans, uh, they say 55%, yeah, about half, right, want to lose weight. And 84% of U.S. adults have attempted weight loss using various methods with 30% sticking with it for less than a month. Something's wrong. Those books that are being published, the vast majority will not teach you how to do it for a lifetime. It's not sexy enough. It's not short-term enough. And what's interesting about the feedback, let me just backtrack a little bit to the concept of my book that's out there now. It's my first non-prescriptive book, which is one of the arguments and one of the reasons it's getting rejected. I get it. In other words, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm actually telling you what not to do, <laughs> right? It's a book on the fitness industry, and I'm telling you what to avoid, and it ties directly into this show and this concept, okay? More facts. One in eight adults consume the recommended 1.5 to 2 cups of fruit every day. That's what they find. That's not what people tell you. One in 10 eat the recommended two to three cups daily of vegetables. One in 10. And as I've said before, the vast majority of studies are what? Self-reports. People overestimate their exercise and underestimate their caloric consumption tied into this concept. This is tied into the big reason you're not losing weight on your diet. And here is the line from this abstract. According to preliminary research to be presented at the American Heart Association Scientific uh, Sessions 2022, people trying to lose weight often overestimate, there you go, how healthy 
their diet is. Now, I'm going to pull that apart. I'm going to pull that apart. I think on its face, yes, absolutely true. And in my experience, decades in this industry, absolutely. The line I came up with, it's, it's, you can call it harsh, but it's reality is, and it's in my book, Beat the Gym. I know what you eat. I'm looking at you. And you go, what does that mean? I've been in this industry long enough, and it's not fail-proof, but it's pretty darn close. The undernourished, the overnourished, the body generally doesn't lie. It tells you a lot. People who don't eat enough, people who consume more than they need to, the body shows it in many ways, myriad ways. Okay, and so that's the initial takeaway line from this study. People trying to lose weight often overestimate how healthy their diet is. Now, I would reword that. And one of the uh, quotes I'm going to read you from a couple researchers, I pulled some quotes. She says that very thing. It made me so happy to read that. Yes, confirmation bias, but yeah, so not only do they overestimate how healthier their diet is, and I'm going to say that's in large part due to all of the misinformation. Carbs are bad for you. Fruit is bad for you. Eggs are bad for you. So part of the problem is with the information you're given from the government and doctors. <laughs> Changes all the time. You go, what do I believe? And then you've got the influencers who have little to no training and the you know people who say, you know, I've done, been successful doing this, so everyone has to do this. No, that's not the solution either. An experiment of one. So there's the lack of information. There's the misinformation. And then there's, yes, that people expect big change from small changes. Now, that's counterintuitive because I talk about that all the time. Yes, small changes will add up to big changes over time and so there was a great meme something to the effect of you know you eat one salad and then you run to jump on the scale to see what it did see how much weight you lost and maybe you do it for a week and you make some changes and you expect big changes on that scale because you've been promised that in those books Low-carb diet's genius. They not only are lower calorie, they flush your body of water. You lose this water weight, so you will see the change, yes, in that first week or two. Big change. Genius. It's mostly water. And it comes down to math. And so you've got the misinformation, you've got the uh, confusing information, and you've got the expectations that you've been sold that you should expect huge changes based on small changes. Let me give you the study. Okay, again, American Heart Association, uh, 2022. It's actually abstract 385 for those who are into reading uh, the specifics. Small study, as I said, 116 adults 
ages 35 to 58 years old in the Pittsburgh area, mostly women, mostly white women. Okay. That's something, right? You need to know all these facts and, and we extrapolate out from there. Um, the participants met one-on-one -on -one with a dietitian to discuss their nutrition, right? So they did that initial intake. Um, then they tracked what they ate and drank every day for a year and they inputted it on the Fitbit app. Problematic. Let me just say this. This is my personal experience. I tried, I tried everything when these apps first came out. And I'm honest, most people aren't, <laughs> you know, but when I had the Fitbit, maybe it was a Fitbit app. I don't even, well, I definitely used that at some point, but food tracking, when you eat an entire box of Girl Scout cookies, I don't even know that you can punch that in. Maybe you can now. I haven't used these in a long time. Maybe it's just, yeah, 40 cookies. But human nature is such, we're probably not going to input the stuff we really should, right? When we go overboard and then it's just complicated. When you have these mixed dishes, that was a part of this confusion too. You know, it's often hard to pull out and figure out your calories. I always wonder when people are counting macros, like how do you do that long-term with, with any true level of um, accuracy? It's hard. Okay, but there's what they did. A year, amazing. Tracked what they ate and drank every day for one year using the Fitbit app. They weighed themselves daily and they wore a Fitbit device to track their physical activity. And so what the researchers did, this is perception, okay? That's why I love this. This is, this is cognitive, right? Um, researchers evaluated the diets of the participants at the beginning and the end of the study, right? So they did the initial intake, and then they looked at it at the end of the study, and they gave each person a healthy eating index score. I've used this before. i talked about this before in other studies. The specifics aren't important. It's just a, a, a rating, right? Quality um, based on the types of foods that the participants reported eating. And when the one-year trial was over, the subject used that same measure, that HEI, Healthy Eating Index Score, to score themselves on the quality of their diet. I love this. This is the psychology and, you know, what truly happened, right? Only one in 10 participants correctly estimated how much they'd improved their eating habits. One in 10. 10% came close, 90% didn't. And on average, participants improved their diet quality by about one point based on this scale, okay? Not a big, <laughs> not a big jump, uh, suffice it to say. Uh, however, what did they rate themselves? 18 points, self-estimate, average of 18 points higher. Finally, 75% of the participants perceived uh, HEI scores didn't lie with the researchers. And, of course, <laughs> their numbers were higher, right? They didn't say they ate worse, right? And again, 10% correctly estimated how much their eating habits had improved. Back to what I said at the beginning. Couple reasons for this, in my opinion, in my experience. Lack of information so much misinformation and the expectation that small changes should add up to huge short-term change. Short-term change, right? Let me give you some quotes here. Really good. Uh, one of the researchers said, we found that while people generally know that fruits and vegetables are healthy, there may be a disconnect between what researchers and healthcare professionals consider to be healthy 
and balanced diet compared with what the public thinks is a healthy and balanced diet. I disagree. I disagree. The disconnect. There's a, I always, words are important. Words are super important in this industry. What's the disconnect? People generally know, you know, desserts, higher calories, not as healthy, processed foods, right? Okay, but that's worth reading. I think there's something to that, but I, I don't think that's the overarching reason for what we're talking about here. Uh, same researcher said, people attempting to lose weight or health professionals who are helping people with weight loss or nutrition-related goals should be aware that there's likely more room for improvement in their diet that may be expected. Yeah, guess what? When I was a trainer and you're working with someone long-term, it's really hard when weight loss is the goal, which is why I said trainers, generally speaking, should be strength and conditioning people. I'm going to make you stronger. I'm going to work on your weaknesses, your imbalances. I'm going to, you know, improve your heart health, things like that. Things I can do right at that moment. The behavioral change that you do or don't do outside the gym, that's where the weight loss happens. Weight loss doesn't happen in the session itself. Even when you do cardio, if you had a client come to you as a trainer, say, let's maximize the hour for weight loss. Okay, let's go run. <laughs> like, let's, let's do a hard thing for an hour. Even if you do that, that's 600 calories, six or 700 calories, plus or minus depending. Okay, yeah. And so when you're a trainer and you have a client, let's say they come to you three times a week, they tell you what they're eating and it sounds really good, it's healthy. They're coming to you three times a week, they tell you they're exercising outside the gym and over the course of a couple months, nothing happens or they gain weight. You know <laughs> the... Most likely scenario is that they're consuming calories outside the sessions that they, one of two things, usually both, aren't admitting to, aren't aware of, okay? Here's the great line. Here is the great line that I loved from a different uh, researcher discussing this, these findings Part of the discrepancy could be a lack of knowledge about around healthy eating, but more likely it's the perception that any small changes are bigger than they are. Made me happy. Makes me happy to say it right now. People, these are the important things. This is the simple stuff. You know, I'm going to bring you the science. We're going to dig into some, you know, really interesting exercise physiology, really interesting psychology as well, motivation. But these are the things that are first and foremost we have to look at. But more likely, and, and I love that they said, yeah, part of the discrepancy could be a lack of knowledge. Of course it is. But more likely, it's the perception that any small changes made are bigger than they are. So these are the clients that, when you're a trainer, have huge expectations you're seeing them once, twice, three times a week. And again, if you're doing straight cardio for those three sessions, let's do the math. It's like 1,800. Now, that's straight cardio. Most clients and trainers don't work that way. But let's just use that as an example. And let's round up. 2,000. Three sessions, straight cardio for an hour, 600 calories. We'll round it up. 1,800. No, 2,000. You're 1,500 calories short of a pound. And that client can walk out and in two minutes undo those three hours by eating, you know, going to a Starbucks, wherever. 
One final quote here. While misperception of diet intake is common among dieters, these findings provide additional support for behavioral counseling interventions that include more frequent contacts with healthcare professionals, such as dietitians or health coaches, to address the gaps in perception and support long-lasting, realistic, healthy eating behaviors. Yeah, sounds great. But I'm going to leave you with this. It's about getting the right information and then being honest and keeping it simple and listening to this podcast. And I give you the examples, the information about people who have done it. That is one of the most important things and large groups of people who have done it. And one of the takeaways from them is what? They tend to eat the same things, not complicated foods. They found the foods that work for them that they enjoy, that are healthy, that they can eat a lot of. By the way, that is one of the number one things I believe is problematic with people's information and perceptions is that they don't eat enough. You don't eat enough good food, healthy food. Bigger portions of the good stuff. Lots of vegetables, lots of fruit, lots of lean sources of protein if that's what you're doing too. We don't eat enough of the good stuff. So it's the misinformation and it's the lack of awareness or honesty. And it's usually all three. You can't get to your destination if your directions are flawed from the start. And that's the problem with eating. And when you're promised these results in a short amount of time and you achieve them oftentimes through things like low carb, and then when you go healthy, when you start to eat healthy and you have the same expectations, it's not going to happen. And you have to give it time. And so, yeah, <laughs> you know, the advice you are given by other governmental agencies and the confusion is part of the huge problem. So that's off you. That's not on you. But you have to get your information from reliable sources like this. <laughs> And you have to know that there is no one way. You know, I love that story I tell frequently about when a client came in to do a session in my office and we we're discussing just everything, lifestyle, nutrition, exercise, and they started by asking me what I was. Like, what are you? <laughs> I was like, taken aback. It took me a second and I realized what they're asking me. What my thing was. Are you vegan? Are you vegetarian? Are you raw food? Are you CrossFit? Are you, you know, uh, what, what, what thing do you ascribe to? I ascribe to them all. I ascribe to what works. I ascribe to what science backs and what you can do long-term. There is no one way. There's healthy foods. You're going to figure out which ones work for you. There's cardio. You're going to figure out which ones work for you and you enjoy. There's lifting heavy things. Whether that's barbells or machines or resistance bands or body weight or hopefully a combination of all of the above, you're going to figure that out. This is such a great example of, it's a simple, it's a simple concept. The big reason you're not losing weight on your diet are you honest with yourself? Are you expecting huge changes in a sh short amount of time? So I'm going to actually change the title right here. <laughs> it's more than one thing, but it's perception. It's perception. And the perception is off. And when you think you're doing well, 
and you're not, that's a problem. And that's sad because you're, you're working it, but it's, it's, the, it's the bad information. All right, leave it at that. I love these studies, and I love that I can bring them to you. Oftentimes, the same day they come out, three shows a week. What do we get? We're going to have 500 shows here, people. And we're going to keep it going, all right? Questions, comments, reach out. Tom H. Fit is Twitter. Tom H. Fit is Instagram. So love to hear from you. Questions, comments, direct message me. I got to do, I uh, haven't done a listener mailbag show in a little while. I'll get back to that. Um, but any questions you ask me will be answered. Every single one. And there are no dumb questions. It sounds so cliche to say, but in this industry, in these conditions with social media, holy smokes, it's never been more challenging. You never had more resources, but it's never been more challenging. All right. Uh, fitnessdisrupted.com. You can go there, learn more about me, what I've done, more of the books, things like that. Uh, you can email me through the site as well. Teamholland.com, fitnessdisrupted.com. Same, same site. Uh, Remember, I'm going to bring you the science. I'm going to break it down in its simplest form for you. And we're going to pull all of that together because I want you to live your best life. We're not selling shoes here, people. It's how long you live and how great those years are. The quality of your life, all right? And as I said at the beginning and I will say at the end of every show, we all control three things. How much we move, what we put into our mouths, and our state of mind. And that is awesome. I am Tom Holland, exercise physiologist, certified sports nutritionist. Believe in yourself.